to Psalm 35. Psalm 35. I'd like to read the first three verses. Plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for mine help. Draw out also the spear and stop the way against them that persecute me. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. I want to speak this morning on the subject full assurance. Full assurance. We believe here at the New Covenant Baptist Church that when God saves a sinner, that he saves him for all eternity. And we believe that God is pleased when he saves a soul to in his good time, we're not putting any time limit on the Lord, saying when the Lord must do it. But we believe that in the Lord's good time, that he will say unto the souls of those that belong to him, I am thy salvation. Now we believe that. And it has been some of our experience to have heard the witness of the Spirit of God in our hearts saying unto us, I am thy salvation. I want to read a poem at the outset this morning. We believe that salvation is altogether of the Lord from the beginning to the end. We believe that salvation is of God. It is a divine project. We've often said that salvation is not what we do for God. Salvation is what God does for us. And how we rejoice in what the Lord has done for us. David said, I have triumphed through the work of thy hands. Through the work of thy hands thou hast made me glad. Well, we have triumphed also through the work of his hands. And, and his work has made us glad. We have gladness in our heart because the Lord has saved his people. Let me read this poem. Not all the outward forms on earth, nor rights that God has given, nor will of man, nor blood, nor birth, can raise a soul to heaven. The sovereign work of God alone creates us heirs of grace, born in the image of his Son, a new peculiar race. The Spirit, like a heavenly wind, blows on the sons of flesh, creates a new, a heavenly mind, a new peculiar race. Our quickened souls awake and rise from the long sleep of death. On heavenly things we fix our eyes and praise employs our breath. This is a wonderful testimony of the salvation of God in the soul. Surely this morning, if we're here and if God has touched us, with his amazing grace. Surely we're here to praise the Lord this morning for full salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. David here has said, Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. Beloved, there are some who never knew 
that they were saved. There are some here this morning, and you don't know whether you're saved or whether you're lost. You don't know whether you're in or whether you're out. You know not whether you're under the favor of God or under the curse of Almighty God. You're here this morning, and you may be one of little faith. Maybe the Lord has saved you, but you're of little faith. Well, beloved, I'm here to encourage you this morning. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We cannot expect that people that have not been taught how God saves a sinner can ever come to the assurance of faith. We live in a world where there's so much error, so much confusion, where there are so many damnable heresies that are being preached in our day and time that it is a rare thing to find anybody that truly, clearly understands how it is that God saves his people. And so it's no mystery to me that we find people on every hand who do not know whether they're saved or not, who have no assurance in their heart that they really belong to the Lord. And I know that there are many who may have faith, and you may think, well, I must have greater faith before I can possibly ever know whether I'm saved or not. Well, beloved, I'd like to encourage you. You know, I believe that any bridge that can hold a strong man, hold a full-grown man, that that bridge can also hold the babe in Christ, that that bridge can hold the infants in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you're here this morning and you believe, well, there's some strong among us who have full assurance, there are some here that can sing the hymns of Zion, speak the language of Canaan. There are some here who have full-grown beards, spiritually speaking, and they know the Lord and they know the things of God. And I believe that they are saved and I believe they do know the Lord. Well, beloved, if the bridge that we're on, the bridge that the strong are on, if that bridge will hold them, it surely will hold those that are babes, those that are, that are the weaklings in the faith. That bridge will hold, beloved. And I want to encourage you to believe this morning at the very outset that if God has begun a good work in you, that he will perform that work until the day of Jesus Christ. And I believe that God is on the way to giving your soul uh, the fullness of assurance. Now there are some who never knew that they were so saved because they never cared to know. They never really cared to know. You may be here this morning and you say, well, I, there are other things, preacher, that concerns me. I really am not too much concerned one way or another whether I am saved or not. You know, preacher, I'm just a young man. I'm a young lady. And I really, it really doesn't concern me a whole lot whether I have full assurance of salvation or not. You see, I'm concerned, preacher, about my health. I'm very concerned about that. And I'm concerned about my education. And I'm also concerned about my marriage. But I'm not concerned necessarily as to whether or not God has really saved me or not. Beloved, I would say to you this morning that you need to begin to become serious about your never dying soul. You have a soul and that soul is going to live somewhere for all eternity. 
And you need to become concerned about your soul. It'll matter very little in a hundred years about your marriage. It'll matter very little in a hundred years about your education or about how much money you had. It'll matter very little. But it's going to matter for eternity whether or not you know the Lord, whether or not you're saved, whether or not you have the Lord's salvation, whether or not he has ever said unto you, I am thy salvation. You need to consider, you need to get your priorities straight and begin to think about your soul and about the fact that if you're to leave this world in the state that you're in, you will never, never see the Lord. You will never, never, those streets that you've walked, those paths that you've walked in this world will never turn to gold on the other end if you do not know the Lord. Now, beloved, the reason that I preach this message this morning is just for this reason. A number of years back, I stopped in Clinton, Missouri and visited my oldest sister, who at that time was about 65 years old. And I talked with her at length about her soul. She claimed to be a believer. She says, I do believe. John, I do believe. I try to believe everything that I read in the Bible. Well, I received word on Friday morning that my oldest sister had passed away. And uh, she's went on. And uh, will be buried Monday in Plainfield, Indiana. And I thought a great deal after hearing of her death. I thought about the conversation that we had. I remembered it quite well. And that it was around this subject of whether or not you can know, really know, whether or not you're saved or not. And she never had assurance. As far as I know, she never came to have full assurance of her salvation. I do not know whether Pearl was saved or whether she was, she was lost. I would like very, very much to have been at the funeral on Monday. Uh, but... Uh, the scripture says, let the dead bury their dead. Go thou and preach the kingdom of God. I have responsibility before the Lord, and so I must stay at uh, that business of preaching the gospel. But I would have liked very, very much uh, to have been there, to be a witness to my, other, to my brothers and to my remaining sisters. But uh, in the providence of God, it's not to be. But that conversation is what prompted me to choose this text this morning and talk to you, talk to you soberly, talk to you sincerely, talk to you from my heart this morning about this business of knowing whether or not you know the Lord, whether you have ever heard the Lord say to you, I am thy, thy salvation. Now some think it's a very easy thing to be saved, and so they say, why bother about it? Why bother about being saved? Well, just do your duty, attend your church, be the best you can, and come make sure you go to church on the holidays. No need making a fuss about being born again. No need of having a new heart and a right spirit. Just simply do the best you can and don't get too wrapped up in this. Don't become a fanatic. I'll tell you what, you won't be dead five minutes before you'll wish that you'd been fanatic enough to find out whether or not you knew the Lord or not. Now, I'm telling you sincerely, my sister right now knows, she knows now whether she knew the Lord or whether she didn't. She knows now whether or not she was in or whether she was out. She knows now whether her sin was forgiven or whether they, they were upon her. She knows now, you see, because death... Uh, reveals all these things. And you may be in a, a, in, in, in a fog uh, this morning about it, 
but death is going to reveal the truth and reality to your soul about where you stand. And I'm here to inform you of that this morning. This is the delusion of America, nominal Christianity. Everybody, everybody thinks they're all right. Nobody ever gets serious about this business of whether or not they are really saved or whether they really possess eternal life. So much profession, but so little uh, possession. I speak uh, to those of you this morning who never knew that you were saved, how foolish you are. You are to die soon, as we've said. Heaven or hell is going to be your eternal home. If you were to say, I do not know this morning, uh, there, there are some things that, you know, that, that we might say we don't know, but we're going to get busy in a hurry and find out. First of all, if a man thinks that there's something wrong with him physically, he immediately is going to try to find out what it is. If somebody suggests you may have cancer, do you think that a person will dilly-dally around about finding out whether they have it or whether they don't have it? Well, beloved, when you have the disease of sin, how miserable you must be if you don't know anything about the cure, if you don't know anything about what God has done through the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in order to secure eternal life for your never-dying soul. If you're not concerned enough about that, how miserable you must be. My friend, this morning without Christ and without assurance, you cannot be comfortable in this world. You cannot be comfortable not knowing whether you're saved or whether you're lost. Now let me say a word here about the psalmist. When he wrote these words, he was surrounded with many, many ferocious enemies. He pleads with God, yet he feels that there's only one thing which God needs to do in order to remove all of his fears and make him strong in this day of conflict. And what is that? He says to the Lord, just say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. I am my, uh, thy salvation. Now, beloved, I believe this morning that if the Lord was to speak these words to your heart, that it would forever change the way that you feel and it would forever change your inward condition. Now, it might not change uh, your outward condition, but it would change the inward uh, strength of your heart. Brethren, there is nothing that can make an individual strong in this world to labor for God, bold to fight against our enemy, which is the devil, the flesh, uh, is our enemy and the world is our enemy and mighty to resist the various temptations that fall out to a believer in this world like the full assurance that God is your God and your sure salvation. If you want to be strong, beloved, be strong in the Lord. Hear these words. David said, I need to hear these words. I need for God to say unto me, I am your salvation. Now doubts and fears are going to weaken when God speaks to you. This is a generation of unbelieving believers. We do not believe the word of God as we ought to. We need to hear anew from the Lord. I am thy salvation. A fully assured believer is a very giant in Israel. I said before that they're very rare to find anybody that believes anything in our day. Find anybody that's really driven a stake down and say, this is what I believe. 
to find somebody that is convinced with all their heart that God has touched them with his finger and that they've been under the blessing of God to find somebody that's really sure. But beloved, a fully, a fully assured believer is a giant in Israel for happiness and beauty. He stands like Saul, head and shoulders, taller than the rest, while for strength and courage he can match with David and is like the angel of the Lord. To find somebody that says, I know, I know, I know, I know the Lord. Now then, there are some objectors to this truth. I said, I believe that believers can know. I believe the children of God can have within them the witness of the Holy Spirit saying unto their spirit I am I am a child of God Abba Father but there are some who object to this some believe that it is impossible somebody said I never knew that my sins were forgiven how can you possibly know I beg your pardon this morning the word of God is clear that we can know somebody said well with the exception of a few I think the eminently holy or those profoundly spiritual can know, but I don't think that the average Christian can know. Well, let me ask you this question. Does the Spirit of God teach men to pray for an impossibility? Would the Spirit of God lead David to pray? Oh, say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. I believe David prayed in the Spirit here. And I believe the Spirit of God taught him this prayer. I don't think the Spirit of God is going to teach any man to pray for impossibilities. And when David said, say unto my soul, I am thy salvation, I believe he expected that God was going to say it to him. No, David prays for it here. The thing is possible. It can be granted by the Lord. It can be received by the Christian. Else, else this prayer would not be in the inspired record. It would not be in the word of God. Would the Spirit of God exhort us to do an impossible thing? No. But we read, and I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles with me, if you will, to a few texts. Uh, first of all, turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. Would the, Bible, uh, would the Spirit of God exhort us to do something that was impossible? In 2 Peter chapter 1, in verse 10, it says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and your election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. It says you give diligence to make your calling. That call there is the irresistible call of God's grace. The Bible speaks of it about 165 times. Salvation is, is attributed to a call from God. And here we're told that a man ought to make his calling and his election. You know what that is? That's God's choice of his people in old time. That is God having selected, God having set his love upon, God having purpose, God having willed, God having ordained a people for his name and set them apart from the foundation of the world and pinned their names in the Lamb's book of life. But, but uh, Peter here tells us we ought to make our calling and election sure by giving diligence. I mean being sober, being prayerful, be, uh, being students of the word of God, finding the mind of the Lord, seeking the mind of God, knowing whether or not God has called us or whether he's chosen us uh, to everlasting life. Okay, there's some other verses we need to look at. Turn with me to 2 Timothy 
2 Timothy, and uh, it's uh, chapter 1, and look at verse 12. And Paul here says, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I'm not ashamed. And listen to this now. You ought to commit this verse to memory. Maybe we will a little later. But he says, For I know whom I have believed. Paul says, For I know whom I have believed. He says that I know the Lord Jesus Christ. I have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Now Paul had committed his soul into the hands of him, into the hands of him, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, I know him, I believe in him, and I know whom. It's not I know what, I know whom I have believed. He believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him. The Bible is a hymn book. A hymn book. This book is about him, the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I think I told you about the old lady one time. Uh, who memorized this verse when she was before she became an old lady and she knew it by heart and she would say it every time she had opportunity and uh, as she got older her, her mind or memory began to fade away and and uh, she could just say part of the verse and j just gradually it, it, it slipped her mind more parts of it slipped her mind but then when she come to die all she could remember was him him, him, him. I've what I've committed unto him, him. Don't you see? And so, beloved, we see here that the Spirit of God exhorts us to know Him. I, Paul says, I know whom I have believed. And so, this, beloved, is because we can know Him, and we ought to know Him, as Paul did, as he expresses it here in this verse. And then turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter 13 second corinthians chapter 13 and in verse 5 the apostle paul says examine yourselves whether you be in the faith examine yourself whether ye be in the faith now why would the spirit of god say to us examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you except ye be reprobates. Why would he make a statement like that if it were not possible for an individual to examine themselves to know whether they were in the faith or not? To be in the faith means that we're saved. To be in the faith means that we're joined to Christ. To be in the faith means that our sins have been forgiven by Christ and that our sins are under his blood. To, to be in the faith means that the Holy Spirit abides in us. They that have not the Spirit of Christ are none of his. And so we are to examine ourselves whether we be in the faith and prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, Paul said to these Corinthians. Don't you know? Know you not your own selves? How that Jesus Christ is in you. Paul says in Colossians, It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is Christ dwelling in us. 
And so if you know Christ is in you, then you have hope of eternal glory. You have the assurance of your salvation. Christ is the assurance of our salvation and him dwelling in our hearts. Well, I like this verse of scripture because it, it, it tells us, it exhorts us to find out whether or not we are in or whether we're out. Now then there are verses, and there are several of them in the book of 1 John, but I'd invite you to turn there with me at this time. I want to make sure that I leave you with these verses. I don't want to get carried away here and jump a rabbit and get to running after a rabbit and forget to give you these verses. I want you to, to know these verses. So first uh, John chapter 3 and verse 14. I want you to see this. John said, we know. First John chapter 3 and verse 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life. That means that in, we were in a state of death when we were born into this world. Spiritual death. And we know we passed from death unto life. Spiritual life now. We're alive in the Lord. Because he says we love the brethren. God has put a love in our hearts for his people. Everyone that God begats by the Holy Spirit, they have a love for those that have been begotten. That's what it means. John spells that out in the fifth chapter here. But so we have received in our hearts love, and we love the brethren. John said, we know by that that we have passed from death unto life. All right, I do want us to look into the fourth chapter now and look there at verse 13. Verse 13. Hereby know we that we dwell in him. This is written to believers. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us. Well, isn't that wonderful? Praise God. We know that we dwell in him and he in us. God put us in him. A sovereign act of God put us in Christ before the foundation of the world. We were put in him, in Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.30 tells us that. Who of God... Christ has been made unto us, but of God are we in Christ Jesus. That's what that verse says. So hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. He has given us his spirit and his spirit abides in us. The Holy Spirit has come and taken up residence in our heart. When one is regenerated, he's regenerated the Spirit of God. To be regenerated means that one is brought out of death. He was dead and he's immediately made alive. And the Spirit of God is the agent in that regeneration. And the Spirit of God takes up his abode in the heart of that believer. And that is what it means uh, for us to be in the Spirit. And for us to be have the gift or the earnest of the spirit. It's like you go pay down payment on a house. And that house, uh, you, you tie it up because you put a down payment on it. And so when God saves a believer, he puts the Holy Spirit in that believer and that is the down payment. That's the earnest money, if you please, on the soul, body, spirit of that individual. God has taken into possession the entire being of every one of those that he's chosen. And the Holy Spirit being in you is evidence of the fact that God owns you, that you belong to him. 
And if the Spirit of God ever says, says Abba Father in you, if the Spirit of God ever enables you to call Jesus Lord, then, my friend, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are a child of God, that you belong to God. The Holy Spirit is there. If any man have not, I'm going to preach a sermon on this in a week or two. The Spirit of Christ, he has none of his. You must have the Spirit of God in you. And that's what this verse says. John said, Hereby we know that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his Spirit. Now in the fifth chapter, notice in verse 10. Listen to this very clearly. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth on the Son of God does not have to take somebody else's word for it. He doesn't have to take his mother's word, his father's word. Doesn't have to talk to Grandpa Spookendike. He doesn't have to go somewhere else way off to find out because it says he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He has the witness right in here. He has the witness in his heart. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. Now this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life and this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life and he that hath not the son of God hath not life. These things, verse 13, have I written unto you that believe on the name of the son of God that ye may know that you may K-N-O-W, that you, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. I've written these things to you, John said. I've told you about the record that God has given of his Son and that God said, that God said, that he that believeth, that God said, he that hath the Son hath eternal life. And so do you have the Son? Do you have the Son abiding in you? Then if you have the Son, you have life. If you have not the Son of God, then you don't have life. There is no life for those that are outside of Christ. If you're in Christ and Christ is in you, then you have life and you can have assurance. John 3 and 36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, present possession. You have it. If you believe on the Son, you have everlasting life. All right, now then the testimony of the Spirit of God in, in the believer is that I know that I've been born again. Now let Chris take care of the bee. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll just stick care to the Word. I know that I've been born again and I'm sure that my sins have been put away. They've been forgiven and I'm neither afraid to live or die. I can do either one. My sins are under the blood. I know the Lord. I'm in Christ. I have the Spirit of God abiding in me. I can either live or die. For living, Christ is with me. And dying, I shall be with Christ. And so really, a believer has this blessed assurance that he is in the Lord. He knows the Lord. Well, there are those around the religionist that say, well, I'm afraid that if people get full assurance that they'll grow very careless. This is an old objection. I believe that if people have any assurance, if people ever get contented and get comfortable in their hearts, that they will begin to live a loose life, that they won't be quite as diligent as it was before. Well, in the days of Martin Luther, 
This was a very, this was an idea that the religionists had. And uh, they, they, they were the kind of people, now listen to me now. There's a whole lot of religionists in this world that, that if some dear child of God, poor member of the living family of God, humble, poor in spirit, comes to that religionist, that preacher, you know, who is a right reverend father in God, and he begins to tell that individual about the joy of his heart and the assurance of his heart and the fact that God has revealed Christ to him and he knows that he's a child of God. And that preacher, see, he has no such assurance. He doesn't know this. He doesn't have an idea about what that young child of God, true child of God, heaven-born heir is talking about. He didn't know anything about it. And so he says, well, you can't possibly have something I don't have. Therefore, therefore, there's nothing to it. There's nothing to it. Well, I'll tell you what. There's a lot of people in this world that are involved in religion. They're dead. It's against the law to bury them. But they're dead. And they don't know anything about what we're talking about when we're talking about really really having the spirit of God to come and indwell you and to be a witness to your heart that you know the Lord. Well, beloved, I want you to hear this text. I, I talked to you about some of the objectors and we've heard them. Now let's hear a little bit about this text. I do deny that if a man knows that he's saved, why, if a man knows that, that he's been brought out of death and alive, if, if, if a man who was naked is clothed, I mean, if a man that was hungry is fed, is he going to go out and, 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 and just completely live in such a way as to dishonor the one who, who clothed him and fed him? And spiritually, I'm talking about. Why, well, no, of course not. He'll bring honor to that individual. And uh, lost men and women, they don't do good works. Nobody does anything good before God until they're justified by faith. It's a well-grounded assurance. Uh, it's a believer that's well-grounded, that's most active in the kingdom of God. He's the most valiant warrior in the battle and the most patient sufferer in the furnace. Let a tree be planted in this soil this soil of blessed assurance and watered with this river and the bowels of that tree will bend with fruit, beloved. I deny that men become lascivious when they know they're saved. I do not believe it's presumption. I believe it's based on what the Word of God says. I want you to hear this text. Time's getting away. David had, first thing I want to point out is that David had his doubts. Why would he pray? Lord, say unto my soul, I am thy salvation, if he didn't have doubts. The best of believers are sometimes troubled with fears and doubts. Abraham had the greatest faith, but he had some unbelief. David was not content, though, to live where he had doubts and fears, because immediately he went to prayer. He went to prayer. He said, I can't live with this. I've got to hear from God. I've got to know whether or not the Lord is my salvation. So David knew where to obtain full assurance. And he would not be content unless his assurance had a divine source. 
He wasn't interested in some priest or some preacher or the deacons or the people lining up between the chairs and the door. And as he went by, say to him, the Lord is your salvation. Oh, David, the Lord is your salvation. He didn't need to hear it from the preacher. He didn't want to hear it from the preacher. And he didn't want to hear it from the deacons or from the church members. Now, beloved, this is so important. If you should say this, listen, it, 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 nothing short of the divine testimony in the soul will ever content the true believer. You, you, you've got to hear from God. David cannot be content unless his assurance has a vivid personality about it. My soul, thy salvation. If you should say this to everyone else and not to me, it were nothing. Let me have a pointed, personal, infallible, indisputable sense that I am thine and thou art mine. Lord, this is personal. I got to hear it. I don't want, I got to hear it from you. It's not good enough for me to hear it from these people that I know and fellow believers. David must have this come deep into his inner being. Say unto my soul, not merely in my ears, let me not fancy that I've just heard it, picked it out of the air, or that I received it in a dream. Don't let me. Oh, no, this is, let the inner man hear it. Our soul must be sound and healthy to the very core. Lord, say unto my soul, in my bowels, in the inner depths, I am thy salvation. Say it way down deep in me so that I know it to be real and that I know that it's the voice of God. Say it so that I can hear it. I don't, wanna, I don't want this thing to be a mystery any longer. Saying to my soul, I am thy salvation. Dave wanted present assurance. Not I will be thy salvation when you come to die. But I want to know right now, are you my salvation? And David said, saying to my soul, tell me now that, I, that you're my salvation. You know, this business of waiting until we die to find out whether we're saved or not, uh, I, I, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in that. Now there's something that I want to say. We, we've heard the objectors and we've heard the text. Now I want you to hear the preacher just for a moment in closing. How are we going to ever hear this in our hearts? How can we receive this assurance? Well, I believe that it must be obtained by the hearing of the word of God. It must be obtained by the hearing of the word of God. We must have a thus saith the Lord and be able to camp, to drive our stake deep on what God says. Now, if you were to uh, look in John 3, and I don't ask you to turn there now, but, it, but if you're really seeking to have uh, the knowledge as to whether or not you're saved or not, I wish that you would take your Bible when you get home and you'd turn to John chapter 3 and you'd read that chapter very carefully. And when you begin to read, he that believeth, he that believeth, he that believeth, over and over again, beloved, this is where you drive your state. I am a believer. I do believe. Lord, if I've never believed, if the devil says, are you, why the devil says you don't believe, and you, you say, Lord, if I have never believed, I start right now. 
I believe to the best of my ability today, today, today. I believe that these words were written to me and I believe, I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've got to drive that stake. John 5, 24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into the judgment but is passed from death unto life. Glorious, glorious message. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore N-O-W, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. These words were brought home to me very forcibly uh, some time ago. I read a story about an old Baptist preacher right after the Civil War uh, who was... Uh, uh, he lived down south, and the carpet beggars came, and uh, they were doing much mischief in the land. And uh, this old Baptist preacher, because he was about to lose all of his earthly possessions, his farm that had been in the family for years, he shot one of these carpet beggars, shot him right between the eyes, and killed him dead. And the, the authorities and various people around who were sympathizers with the carpet beggars, they threw this preacher out of his church. Uh, a humble man he was indeed, but they threw him out. He got a horse and a buggy, and he backed that horse and buggy up to a little grove of trees on Sunday morning at service time, and he got up in the back of that buggy, and he preached a sermon on there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And everybody has said, why, he killed a man. He killed a man. He can't be a Christian. There's no way in the world he's going to miss the judgment. He's going to die and go to hell because he killed a man. He shot a man dead. This man cannot be a child of God. He can't be saved. He can't be anybody. He shot somebody to death. And how many times do we hear that? Oh, somebody committed a sin. Somebody committed a sin. Now, somebody said, well, and you know, oh, that's such an awful sin that so-and-so committed. But listen to me. The Bible said you're going to have to, sooner or later, know what the Word of God says, and you're going to have to drive your stake down on what the Word of God says. There is therefore now no condemnation. If I shot a man yesterday... There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. If I be guilty of what David was guilty of, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Wherever you are at, if you're a child of God, and there is very few children of God that lives their lives out in this world to where sooner or later, sometime or another, they're going to come face to face with the reality that there is not enough goodness and righteousness in them to get them into heaven. And they're going to have to face it. That salvation is altogether of God. And if you're not saved by what God has done in you, you're not saved. And if you're saved by what he's done in you, then you are saved regardless of what else happens. Salvation is of the Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. We commit enough sin every day to send us to hell if it wasn't for the grace of God. There's nobody in here that's got a mind pure enough to live 24 hours without sinning enough to send them to hell. I'm telling you that. If you're going to heaven, you're going by what Jesus has done. 
by what he's done and what he's done all together. To close, let me read these words to you. Surrounded by a host of foes, stormed by a host of foes within, nor swift to flee, nor strong to oppose, single against hell, earth, and sin, single yet undismayed I am. I dare believe in Jesus' name. What? Though a thousand hosts engage, a thousand worlds my soul to shake, I have a shield, shall quell their rage, and drive the alien armies back, portrayed it bears a bleeding lamb. I dare believe in Jesus' name. There it is. Now the difference between me and going to heaven and hell is Jesus. Would everybody say amen? Amen. That's my, the only difference. The difference is not I stayed out of trouble. The difference is not that I never got involved in things that I ought not to have got involved in. I'll tell you the hope of glory is Christ dwelling in a man, in a woman, in a boy or girl. Salvation is not, and nobody said anything. Salvation is not what a man does for God. It's what Christ has done for us. And if you never get anything else, you get that well fixed in your heart. Because the day is going to come when you're going to have to face what you are, honey. You say, I'm a young fella and I've been a mighty nice guy. You may you have and I'm proud of you. Just as proud of you as I can be. But I'll tell you this. This thing is real and this is a man's game. This is, not, this is not a boy and girl's game. This is a man's game. Salvation. Salvation depends upon what a holy God. Holiness is not the way to Christ. Christ is the way to holiness. And you cannot be holy except you're holy in Him. And when you get in Him, then my friend, that's where the life is. It's in Him. And there ain't none in your flesh. The body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. Romans chapter 8 verse 10. I'll tell you, we need to get a full assurance in our hearts. There is no condemnation. Therefore, there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Are you in him? If you're in him, there ain't no judgment awaiting you. The judgment is past. The judgment fell on Jesus. And I dare believe in Jesus' name. I believe in him. Say what you want to. Get your crowd together. Throw me out. Do what you want. I dare believe in Jesus' name. And I shall die believing in his name. By the grace of God. Oh, yes. Somebody said, well, I, I don't know, preacher, whether I'll ever be that sure or not. Well, I'll tell you what. I love you all. And I wouldn't want anybody up here preaching to you that wasn't as sure as I am. And if you would listen to somebody preach that wasn't as sure as I am about this, you're nuts. You're foolish. Pardon me saying so. You're foolish. You better read the book. You better read the book. You better study the book. 
drive your stake, what the Word of God says, and be ready for the onslaughts of the devil. Be ready. Be ready. Mike, could we have a hymn? We have a hymn in closing, please.